other side of midnight with Frank Morano. of the talk radio community is a magazine called Talkers. Every day I get an email uh, from Talkers magazine with sort of a summary of what's happening in the radio industry. And every time there is a column from Walter Sterling, I immediately drop whatever I'm doing. I stop scrolling and I give that column my full attention because One, it's always well-written and interesting, but two, much more selfishly, I know there's going to be something in there about how radio itself and maybe even my program can improve. Uh, So I've read so many interesting columns from Walter Sterling of late, who I also uh, do enjoy listening to on the actual radio, that uh, I had to invite him to come on the program. He's even occasionally written a nice column about, uh, about me from time to time. Let me welcome back Walter Sterling, who I first got to know as a radio consultant named Walter Sabo. Now he's a nationally syndicated radio talk show host in his own right. Walter, thanks for getting up early for us. Frank, I would do anything for you because you do an exemplary radio show. And you do the kind of radio show that New York City has needed for many, many years. There's been this big gap between the last live all-night radio shows and you. And the city has suffered and the medium has suffered, but there is nothing that radio does better than a live all-night radio show. And you're doing a great job. Well, I appreciate that, Walt. Now, uh, to give folks a little bit of your background, you were a master radio consultant. Uh, I worked for a couple of stations that you had consulted for. You were the your master radio programmer, one of the early architects and brains of uh, New Jersey 101.5, uh, one of the early architects of uh, WNBC back in its heyday, uh, one of the early architects of uh, Sirius XM radio, working with uh, people that some folks may have heard of, like Howard Stern and uh, a couple of other obscure individuals there. Why, uh, at a time when I'm sure radio consultants are very much in need, and I'm sure you were probably making a pretty good living, why would you make the transition to becoming a talk show host in your own right? Well, thank you, Frank, for that question. There are two answers to it. One is I was a consultant for over 20 years, and 20 years to do any given job is a long time. Hmm. That's the first part. I wanted to do something different. But the other part is that... In the past 10 years or so, everything has changed, and the math works against consultants. The industry does not need consultants for the reasons that they used to. The reasons they used to was this. About 1995, in 1995 and before that, in New York City, there were 60 radio stations, and there were 30 owners. 30 owners. And those owners needed every single weapon they could to compete with the other stations because on any given morning they could wake up 
and another station was, oh, my God, doing their format. Oh, my gosh, was an instant competitor. That's why they needed the extra RAM that a consultant provides. But now, due to industry consolidation, which is not just true in radio, it's true in rental cars, it's true in wine. Do you, you know in the state of Washington, every single vineyard, every single winery is owned by one company. No matter what the label says, it's owned by one company. So there's been consolidation throughout America of different industries. In radio, what has happened is that now stations that you used to compete with are down the hall. Now radio stations that used to be viable competitors are owned by your company. In the city of New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, most stations are owned by four different companies, four. And as a result, they don't have the competitive spirit that they used to have, and they don't have the competitive paranoia that they used to have that consultants like me would calm. Well, that makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, if uh, if a company like uh, Premier, for instance, owns all the stations, they're not exactly worried about competing. If uh, if Wins and CBS, the two all news stations, are owned by the same company, one is not going to worry about the other doing some innovative promotion or changing format. So I guess uh, it, maybe it's not such a golden age for uh, for consultants. The buzzword these days. At almost every radio station I go to, I visit, uh, the other hosts that I talk to around the country, quite frankly, is podcast, 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 podcast. In fact, when I returned uh, to WABC, there was a fella, he's not working here anymore, but there was a fella that uh, had been on the radio for a while, and he was trying to give me some friendly advice, genuinely. And he said to me, I don't do a radio show. He said, I do a podcast that happens to be on the radio. Radio is yesterday. Podcasting is tomorrow. You had a fascinating column comparing, uh, of all people, uh, Lucille Ball, the greatest TV star probably of all time, certainly comedic TV star, responsible for such iconic moments in television like... Invited me to Benjamin Girl. Are you tired, run down, listless? Do you poop out at parties? Are you unpopular? The answer to all your problems is in this little bottle. A uh, little bottle. <laughs> uh, buy me to Benjamin. <laughs> buy me to Benjamin contains vitamins, meat, vegetables, and minerals. Uh, Yes, with Vitamina Vegemin, you can spoon your way to hell. You were comparing Lucille Ball to what's happening today with the world of radio and podcasting. What in the world does Lucy have to do with people that are doing podcasts and radio shows today? A true axiom of show business is that every medium creates its own stars, and the stars are rarely transferable to another medium. Every single TV star of the 2000s and the 90s, the minute their show hit number one, they wanted to be movie stars. And uh, think of David Caruso. That, that didn't work out. He had to go back to Miami CSI. I can think of maybe three television stars that were able to transfer their stardom to movies such as Will Smith and Michael J. Fox, and I can't come up with a third one. Uh, the uh, it, And it's subtle. So, for example, many cable stars, many cable hosts would love to be on broadcast television, would love to be on broadcast networks. 
And, and they fail. They fail every time because the dynamics of the relationship between the audience and a particular medium are specific to that medium. Lucille Ball had 50 shares on television. She also owned a huge production company called Desilu. And at Desilu, she signed approval to start a show called Star Trek, and she signed the approval to start a show called Mission Impossible. She was a brilliant television executive and performer. And every summer when I Love Lucy was on the air, she, she wanted to make a movie. And she made a movie every summer. Name a Lucille Ball movie. <laughs> well, I, I happen to just interview the fellow uh, who is re- from uh, the, the Jamestown Museum where the Lucille Ball uh, exhibit is. So I, I did cheat a little bit because I asked him about some Lucille Ball films. But prior to that interview a week ago, I couldn't have uh, I, I, I knew she was in a Marx Brothers movie, but I couldn't have named you a specific title. And then uh, film executives are very specific about a star in a movie, they say, could she open a movie? Could he open a movie? Would people come just to see them? Almost no TV stars has that ever worked for. And at the same time, there have been huge movie stars who decided they wanted to be on TV. Disaster. Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart did a TV show. He had a Sunday night drama show, family drama show. It lasted 13 episodes. Disaster. It's And where where is the nexus with respect to podcasting and radio? You would think they're both audio mediums. They both involve people talking. Oftentimes they both involve interviewing. Why is someone potentially a specialist in one and not able to transfer that uh, same specialization to the other medium? The production values of making a live radio show like you're doing right now and doing a podcast are completely different. When you prepare this show, your job is to get to the next thing. When you're thinking about your show, how do I get to the next Mm. thing? How do I get to the next thing? In a podcast, it's all about on demand, and your audience can pause at any given time, and you're not sure when it should end. There are no rules about when it should end. Whereas in a a radio show, a live radio show, you know when it's supposed to end. Your relationship with the audience is entirely different because there's no pause button. There's nothing to check up on on the screen to see what's going on. There's no way to communicate with you other than to pick up the phone. Whereas on a podcast, they can listen to it whenever they want. They could listen to it now or 10 years from now or 10 years from now. How do you prep that show? Therefore, everything you do on a podcast has to be evergreen. Everything on a podcast has has no date, cannot have any date. Well, that's entirely different than the type of show you do. You you don't think that way. You go into a, a podcast room and immediately you're bored. (laughs) <laughs> you have no idea how true that is. Well, you do, but I suspect uh, many don't. How do you explain then, Walt, and if people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Walter Sterling. He's the host of uh, Sterling on Sunday, one of the most listened to uh, weekend nationally syndicated shows in the country. How do you explain the success of people that are able to do well in both media, people like uh, Ben Shapiro and Dan Bongino? Doesn't that disprove your thesis? Well, not to be catty and horrible, I see no evidence of Dan Bongino and Ben Shapiro being successful on live radio. Ben Shapiro's podcast is stunning and incredible, and he's gifted at it, and he's an amazing public speaker, but, oh, gee, it doesn't work on the radio. Not a big success. And Bongino, it's too soon to tell. 
Who was the other person you mentioned? Well, I, just those two. I mentioned okay. those two, but you know, I, I think there are a couple others that uh, that probably fit that bill. You had another. Um, uh, so why then do you think so many radio stations around the country? are so eager to migrate to the podcast world. I'll tell you exactly why. And it's the same reason why there's so many radio stations in one building. It is because Wall Street, the venture capitalists, the people who fund these companies, will not fund a traditional radio station. They will not fund a traditional television station. They say that's that's old tech, it's a dinosaur, there's no growth, there's no growth to, to be seen, and they think of it as, as an antique, whereas I think of radio as proven media. For 100 years, we have proven that audiences are attracted to what we say, and boy, do we move product. Oh my gosh, do we move product. It's proven, whereas what what's a stream? What's a digital stream? You know what a digital stream is? It's buffering now. <laughs> buffering now. That's the name of most of those streams. It's buffering now. Our distribution system is so elegant and so perfect and so cheap. Gee, how, how do you get the stream? Oh, you turn on the radio. You turn it on. Streaming to the car since 1938. Radio's been there. Now, as a result, Wall Street says, well, we're putting all our money into digital. We're putting our money into digital media, all kinds of digital media. Does it work? We don't know, but we're going to put the money there because they love to throw money into a bottomless pit. And the people who own and run these companies, these radio companies, are like, how do we get any of this digital money? What are we going to do? They're not putting money into old-fashioned analog tubes. They, they, they don't care about our towers. What are we going to do? And that's why. That is why, Frank, that every big company is pushing as hard as they can to take their talent and have them do podcasts. But the challenge for these companies, all the big companies, is they don't have a breakout star. They have not created one podcast that is a breakout star. So what do they do? They get every talent they have under edict to create podcasts, and then they give an aggregated number. They're able to show Wall Street an aggregated. We have 10 million downloads a week. Well, yeah, they're, they were doing it with 200 different hosts and uh, 1,000 different podcasts. But that's why. And that is the only reason, Frank. That's well, it. One of the you know one of the things that I'm sure you've noticed is if you ask someone under the age of 30, for the most part, and I know there are exceptions to this, you ask someone under the age of 30, what kind of radio do you have? They stare at you almost like uh, you're an alien. The 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 people that listen to terrestrial radio, for the most part are people that tend to skew older. Now, uh, I've always, I'm have always i very proud of the ratings we've been able to put up on this show, but you know how social media is. There are all these naysayers, and they always say, oh, well, that's because your audience is 90-plus. Uh, that's not the kind of demographic that uh, advertisers want to reach. But podcasters, no. Podcasts, that's listened to by young people. That's a very coveted advertiser demographic. Why is that logic, the logic of the naysayers and the cynics, why is that flawed? Of the music streaming services, Pandora, Spotify, of the music streaming services, they have found an amazing thing, which is that 95% of the music that is sought by their subscribers and 95% of the people who go online to buy music are buying music from the last century. They're buying music by uh, Steely Dan and the Eagles. (laughs) 
that's that's where the money's going and that's where the ears are going to online streaming music. The fact is that if you were to ask uh, most 50-year-olds or 60-year-olds, what kind of radio do you have? They couldn't answer that question either. What kind of radio do you have? You have the one in the car. And the, uh, the teenager... The teenager doesn't discover their music by streams or podcasts. They discover their music the way it has always been discovered, which is a friend says, have you heard this song? And they go to the radio. And the fact is, is that streaming, Pandora, Spotify, all of that nonsense represents what has always been true through the history of radio. There's a radio and a box of records next to the radio. The box of records has always been there. Now it's called Pandora and Spotify. Mm. Uh, talking with Walter Sterling, uh, you can check him out uh, on his show, Sterling, on Sunday. And you can also read his column in the pages of uh, Talkers magazine. Just go to Talkers.com. Walter, if you were um, – you had a great column recently about the lost opportunity that so many radio stations have missed with respect to weekends. Now, two of the stations that we're on now, WABC in New York and WCBM in Baltimore, they're notable exceptions to that. They have great weekend programming. But if you go basically to any talk station in the country, it's it's a wasteland. Uh, try and figure out what's going on. If there's a balloon being shot down, you won't know about it if you tune to any of these radio stations on the weekend. I can't imagine any radio executive in any era deciding, well, let's just make the weekends unlistenable. And yet that's precisely uh, what, that, what has occurred at 80% of the stations in our country. Why? It's not just true of talk stations. It's true of music stations. The fact is, is that program directors of most music stations, absolute fact, at 5 o'clock on Friday, they go home. And they don't listen again until they come in on Monday morning. They have no, it's not their station on the weekends. They have nothing to do with it. The fact is that after Morning Drive, the second most listened to day part in radio, the second most listened to time period in radio is Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And when a radio station, a radio company decides to not do anything there, uh, they have thrown away a significant potential for both audience and the ability to bring in audience to come back on Monday morning because on the weekends you have discretionary time. You're not stuck having to listen to the traffic report. You can dial around and find what you're interested in. The reason they have done this is because they have deluded themselves into thinking that it's not important. They, they re, there's no reason, there's no evidence for it. The fact is, is that when I started in radio, and I don't mean to sound like an old man, but as a disc jockey, one of the things we looked forward to was the weekends because there was always something special. There was an event, a concert, a ticket giveaway. There was something special on the weekends that was built up all during the week. And you hoped that you were one of the jocks on when that special event happened. Well, now, I swear, you listen to any music station in the country. There's nothing going on. And when my daughter was 12, knowing nothing about pre-recorded shows or voice tracking, we're in the car for a long time. And finally, she says, you know, Dad, that station is, is pre-recorded. There's no one live there. I said, how do you know that? Because they never give the weather. Mm. They mm. never gave the weather. So she concluded as a 12-year-old that, that, that it's pre-recorded. And you're absolutely right about the news. When I, when I listen to a talk station, it's terrifying to me that on Sunday at 1, if anything happens, I will not know about it. 
Finally, Walt, and you got to come back. I, I have pages worth of uh, material that I would love to ask you about, but I'll end with this. There's a lot of pressure, particularly in the world of AM talk radio, to specialize and only focus on the world of politics. Meanwhile, you know, people are interested in a wide variety of things. If you go to talk about uh, if you go to talk to a bunch of friends at a bar, politics is maybe one of 10 subjects that may come up. Why do these radio stations get in the habit of specializing in politics? Is there something magic about that as a talk topic that merits an entire 24 hour format? No. And the great thing about your show is you don't commit that crime. The fact is that if my check engine light goes on today, if my kid gets an F, if I get a call from the school saying, we have to have a meeting with you right away about your about your kid, Mr. Sterling, if my car won't start in the parking lot, all of those things are more important than anything that happened in Congress. And yet I never hear them discussed on the radio. If your mother gets sick, if your wife says she's going to leave you, that is far more important than, than the debt that- ceiling. Then the debt ceiling, which you don't understand, and we all have a debt ceiling. It's called MasterCard. And the fact is, is that um, the reason these stations do that is, first of all, I have to say it highlighted, underlined, they're dead wrong. Because that topic used to be in a very special group of shows called Public Affairs. And Public Affairs was on Sunday morning when no one listened because it was boring. It's still boring. And the fact is, is that that's where you get your ancient demographics. It's near, they're near death. That's that's who will you, who you're going to attract people who are near death. Nothing is resolved. You already know if you're a liberal or a Democrat. You already know if you're a Republican. No one's mind is going to be changed. It is a hopeless conversation. It's a crazy. Ho- now, why did it happen? It happened because we're in an industry of copycats. And Mr. Limbaugh was very successful at what he did, but he wasn't successful because he talked about politics. He was successful because he was entertaining. Mm. And his facts were often very wrong, but he was very entertaining. My favorite Mr. Limbaugh statement ever was this. He was explaining why it didn't matter if there was an oil spill in the ocean because he never saw dolphins building superhighways at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Who cares about them? Well, okay, that's pretty entertaining. Um, that's why. Well, I, I have to run. I so appreciate the time, and uh, I hope we can make this a, uh, a regular conversation. Anything you want, Frank. You are a great broadcaster. I love your show. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Check out Walter Sterling at waltersterlingshow.com. Read him in the pages of talkers.com. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Questions, comments, thoughts, etc. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. 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 